0: to the minnesota sports collaboration podcast show where we highlight all of our minnesota content creators, shows and friends here on the program poppy how's it
1: going it's going great man And excited to come together with all of our friends you've heard them on our show or if you're listening on their show maybe you've heard us jump in with them but uh every week we're gonna have little teasers and snippets from everybody's shows in one spot on all of our feeds so you can get a little taste. And hey, if you haven't listened to one, go check them out. Throw everyone a quick little subscribe and let's make everyone happy. Now, Isha, what's the first one we have here for this week? We're going to throw to
0: Locked on Wild. Our boy, Seth Topol, drops daily Minnesota Wild content with a wide range of guests. Here's a quick clip of some of his recent content.
2: Camp's Talbot. Gave up a couple of early goals to the Senators once again in uh, last night's game. The Wild were not able to uh, complete the comeback as they tried to uh, erase the deficit, and um, it just it was too big of a hole for them to dig out of. I present to you a tweet from uh, Sound the Foghorn host Brett Marshall. Who uh, noted that it has been basically Jekyll or Hyde for Cam Talbot when he suits up for the Minnesota Wild? Like there is there is no in between. In his last nine starts, he's four and five. In the four wins, he has given up a combined five goals against, with a 9.52 save percentage, one shutout, 1.89 goals saved above expected. And in those four wins, has never allowed more than two goals. In the five losses, he's allowed 25 goals, has an 834 save percentage, zero shutouts. This is the big one. He is minus 11.84 in goals saved above expected. And has allowed four plus in all five starts, including allowing six goals in two of them it goes on to say Capo Kakinen, for what it's worth, has allowed just has three games all year in 19 starts where he's allowed four or more goals. He's allowed four twice and five once. Two of them were in his first four starts of the season, just once in the last 15 games, and that was four against Detroit, a game in which the Minnesota Wild won. And that was a game in which the Minnesota Wilds fell behind. Early two nothing, which is going to completely uh, counteract the point that I am trying to make here. But the point being, in you've got your two goalies, Cam Talbot and Capo Kackinen. There is a noticeable difference between the two of them because with Talbot, you get either the high high end, the highest end. Of starts, those four wins that we talked about with the five goals allowed, you either get that, or you get the absolute bottom of the barrel. There is no in between. Capo Kakanen has been kind of that middle area to up, and so his his starts have been far more even and consistent to where you're maybe not getting the two goals allowed or the one goal allowed every night. But he's not giving up six or five goals. He is giving the team an opportunity to win when he is out there. And just keying in on, again, some of uh, Capo's most recent starts, Brett mentioned that start against the Detroit Red Wings where he gave up 4 goals. I mean just look at the uh, look at the most recent games for uh, for Capo. He started the f- first game of the second half in which the Wild lost 2-0. Gave up one goal and then the Wild gave up an empty netter after that. So Capo kept the team in it just for whatever reason they could not solve Connor Hellebuck that night. Uh his most recent start after that, included a um, included the game against the Detroit Red Wings that we referenced, where he gave up uh, four goals. But again, that was a game in which the Wild fell behind two nothing early, and uh, they just hit the afterburners and uh, scored a ton of goals, and so Kakinen got the win there. And then against Edmonton, the Wild score early, end up getting the win uh 7 to 3 in that one and Kakinen gives up three goals. But like look at look at what Kakkanen did in January. He went 6-0 and 1, had a 2.33 goals allowed average and a 934 save percentage. He played the New York Islanders who were playing better at the time. He played the Montreal Canadiens who were not great and uh, actually came in in relief in that game. Uh, He played the Blackhawks twice and won. He helped the Wilds get it to overtime against the Avalanche. He beat the Ducks. He beat the Capitals in a shootout, and he beat the Boston Bruins on the road. Capo has been a much more even consistent performer in net than Cam Talbot has been this year. And it's starting to get to the point where unless the wilds get upper level, and I'm I'm not advocating for a benching of of Talbot or a, a full like he can't get any of the starts. I think he needs a break at least. I think he needs a couple of days just to clear clear his head out and uh, just try to get back on track. Maybe you give Capo the other two starts. Um, in Canada, and I know the Wild play the, the Flames back to back. Give Capo the two starts on the road. Give Talbot the other Flames game. Again, if you
1: like what you heard, you can follow all of Seth's great content by searching Locked On Wild wherever you get your podcasts or checking him out on social at Locked On Wild.
0: Uh, next, we have <laughs> yours truly, the soda pod uh we'll tease our other contributors later but hoppy and i talk everything minnesota wild beer and hockey here's a teaser from our most recent episode who are some of the characters that you uh you know hobnobbed with over there
3: yeah yeah we uh got to meet up with just dishing if you're not familiar with them go check them out but they're making like the skate skins and the you know the nike air force skates and stuff and uh they were dapping up uh, austin matthews and stuff but uh thanks uh big thanks as well to our um, our sponsor Endurofin for putting us in the Aria very nice hotel so uh, we got to rub shoulders with uh, Matthews Mcdavid Caprisov all those guys in the hotel in Vegas so that was uh, we're very fortunate to, to have a sponsor like that to put us up there and uh, yeah it was a good time but other than that you know we got to uh, you know' we're, I was playing bags with uh, Paul Bissonnette, biz nasty as you know him and um, yeah we, we did a bunch of contact with bars tools so
4: it was it was a fun
3: weekend and beautiful beautiful weather as well so
0: what was your score? Like, what were your stats? You, uh, you roof any,
3: I think I had six goals on the weekend, probably around five assists. And, and holy like, shit. Yeah.
5: <laughs> but, uh, get you.
3: It was, it was, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, we were pretty, we were drinking all day the first day of games <laughs> and second day. wasn't the same, same story, but, uh, yeah, all in all it was, it was fun. I mean, you get to, there's people from our teams, I should say from all over the country. Um, we got to go against a team from Minnesota our first game. So that was fun. And, um, yeah i mean it was, it was just a good experience and i think the only my only complaint it all could have been set up a little bit better but just the, the the pavement that we were rollerblading on was not even all the way through so when you're drinking and rollerblading and trying to follow the puck it's not ideal no
0: you're bougie right. man wow
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, that's amazing hoppy what do, what do you got for james here
1: I mean, I just want to know what it's like to actually sit there and drink and play bags with Bissonnette. Like, is he just, like, is he always on or does he, like, chill out at all?
3: Uh, he was always on. I don't know how he does it, but I mean, he goes straight from TNT. He's the same character in person. And um, I mean, great, great guy, but I mean, I, I housed the guy in, in bags. I, I went back to back, just dropped him in the hole there. And, you know, he, the, the last one I dropped, the second one I dropped him two, two in a row and he pushed me. And he's like, all right, you got me here. And then he in a beer to me in the Barstool video. I've, I've yet to get that video, but we got it from our <laughs> phone video. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that one on Barstool. But and big, being um, out
1: in yeah. Vegas, like, what what was the biggest win or loss that anyone hit outside of the rink? Like, did anyone blow any big money in the casinos?
3: I mean, we 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 went up. I think we were with uh, Durf and CEO Mike there, and uh, he went up on the tables, and our, our camera guy, Miles, was Throwing money, I remember giving them a couple of blue bills. I was like, "All right, just go after it," because it's it's late on the first night. We're registered, we we're tired. We again, we just got back from Notre Dame and hit a flight straight to Vegas. A couple of days later, we're tired. But here here are the Spit and Chicklets boys at the crowd table and and the uh, blackjack. I was like, "All right, boys, this is a, you know time time to connect with these guys. We got it. We got to go." And they're throwing wits, throwing tons of money down. And same with Biz and Grinelli. And um, you know, Grinelli went down big, but we we went up on the whole weekend. So uh, that was fun, but we, you know, we didn't play with any of the big NHL guys currently because they're throwing down way too much. But it was fun to yeah. go around, walk around the casino. You know, we had Butchergrass talking to people. We're walking, you see McDavid and Dry coming. We, you know, we saw Capri said what's up to him. Brady to Chuck. God, that guy's huge. Chuck kids are they're massive people. Um, who else do we see? Yeah, we went Matthews the first day, like that was fun. And Zegras and Jack Hughes, they were got to talk to them all. So Um, We didn't throw down with all of them on the tables, but just to be in the presence was fun.
1: If you didn't hate what you just listened to, you can find all of our content at The Soda Pod on social, that being Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, or by searching The Soda Pod wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Who's up next? Minnesota Sports Chat. Those new to Ross or Minnesota Sports Chat, you get anything from a unique spin on Minnesota sports, to the wrecks of a frozen pizza connoisseur.
6: Years ago, when the Gophers hired PJ Fleck to be their head football coach, at the time I said, look, I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know if it's a great fit, but I feel like it's the chance the University of Minnesota has to take if they truly want to compete at a higher level in the Big Ten or maybe one day even compete for a spot in the college football playoff very similar to what Michigan State was able to pull off a few years ago or even sustain what Wisconsin and Iowa have been able to do. I just thought they needed to try something that was a little bit outside the box and different, and so far, I think more so than not, it's paying off for them. Ben Johnson at the University of Minnesota, Joe, I kind of thought the exact same thing, and and the reason why was, look, just because he's from Minnesota, he's played at Minnesota, That doesn't mean he's going to get all the Minnesota kids, and I don't think you need all the Minnesota kids to win. But I think it helps, and I think having somebody who understands the landscape and the dichotomy of Minnesota high school basketball, I think that that helps. I throw this year out. It doesn't really matter to me. I've been encouraged by how hard this team has played and how well they've looked at times. But overall, I think hiring Ben Johnson – was the chance that the University of Minnesota had to take. Your thoughts on that thought?
7: I think Ben Johnson ended up being a genius hire. Um, at first, I got to admit, I, I thought, is he ready? This is the Big Ten. And normally, you don't have your first head coaching opportunity in the Big Ten in a tough place to win at. You, know, you got to remember, you know, Tubby Smith, Dan Munson, you know, uh, Patino. all these guys, they had a little bit of a success, but it wasn't since, you know, Clem Haskins was here and then the program went on probation that they had any kind of real success. I think he's a great hire. I think he's setting the tone this year. I think he will be able to recruit. I like the fact that Dave Thorson's is on his staff because he's a good connection to Minnesota coaches. And, uh, you know, th- these guys, give him some time. This is going to be a great hire.
6: That is Joe Schmidt, joeschmidt.com, also on the Twitter machine, at Joe Schmidt, K-S-T-P, that is S-C-H-M-I-T.
1: You can find this beauty on social, at Brendel Ross, that's B-R-E-N-D-E-L Ross, and his podcast by searching Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
0: Who's up? Judds, Buds, Mutant, spitter sicko z we don't care what you call them to us spokes z just means elite prospect coverage here's a preview of the brilliant ramblings you can hear on judds buds
5: there's been a lot of guys going up and down in a lot of rankings uh and we're right around the halfway point um You know, and everyone's 2022 rankings look a whole lot different than they did beginning of the season. Uh, But this one's always fun to go see. Obviously, it doesn't have the guys in Europe or whatever, uh, or college or, you know, USHL or anything like that. But um, it's always a fun game to watch. Um, A lot of talent on display, obviously. Uh, And a lot of times, guys are really putting forth their best uh, effort and trying to stand out. So that should be a lot of fun. Moving on again, let's just talk Iowa real quick. They had a brutal weekend. They got the shit kicked out of them twice. Uh they dropped the 5-3 decision on the 19th, what was that, Friday? No, Saturday? I don't know. Saturday. Um Rossi got 14 penalty minutes with really he had a brutal weekend. Um I mean, well not brutal, He just a rough one for him. No points. Um you know, in the first game. You know, I think there was nine and a half minutes left. He gets a he gets called for a 50-50 penalty uh, that said he was closing his hand on the puck, loses his mind on the officials, and gets a 10-minute misconduct for abusive officials. I think that's like the 15th one I was taken this season. They got to stop fucking yelling at refs. I don't know what's going on, but they just can't stop taking these fucking game misconducts for abusive officials. I mean, I do think that, like, Cramarosa has six of them. Uh, but this is the first one for Rossi. Obviously not a good look. Um, you know, especially at that point in the game. Uh in a game that you're in, by the way. Um, but you know, it happens. But yeah, tough one for him. Chafee again is just staying hot. Goal assist, four shots. Beckman had a goal that game as well. Uh, Shaw was really good. He had two apples. McIntyre loses the game but he made 35 saves on 37 shots. He came in in relief in the second game for Hunter Jones, who had a tough one, really only two of the goals were his fault, but he gave up five goals on 20 shots. The next night McIntyre comes in and makes 19 saves on 19 shots. McIntyre has been good. And right now he's their go-to guy. And for someone that just kind of like picked up um, mid season for nothing. Uh, again, I said it before. I really hope this guy can come back um, and figure it out. And end up playing in the NHL again. Again, I saw him in Boston. Ton of promise. Richter award guy. Um, and it just never really worked out. He kind of just disappeared. Um, good kid. Easy to root for. Been through a ton. So, you know, he's been playing fantastic with Iowa so far. And I really do hope he can continue it um, and make his way back to the league someday. Um, right now, he's looking like he could. So that would be great. But good to see him um you know we talked about it last week that you know andrew hammond gets dealt for the brandon Beck, who was an absolute enforcer pure enforcer um so you know looking at it now you would assume that hunter jones probably stays in the ahl and the the tandem is jones and uh mcintyre uh you know again jones has been like the utilization has been weird um you know he's up with iowa he's down into the echl he's not playing in either then he'll play a, a stretch of game so it's it i'm sure it's tough to, for a goalie to get in any kind of rhythm when you just have no idea where you're gonna be tomorrow um yeah and, and again the second game they lose 5-1 uh you know jones two of the goals were really bad deflections that he had no chance on another one he just got left out to dry uh the third and the four or yeah the the fourth and the fifth goal, they happened like a minute and a half apart. They were taking dumb penalties. They played like shit. They played really bad uh, in front of him, and he really didn't have a chance on anything other than the fourth and fifth goal. Those ones you really need saves on uh, from distance or from the circle. Again, like good shots, but especially the fifth one you need a save there. It kind of just trickles through them. There wasn't really any traffic out front. Um, it was kind of just like a when it rains, it pours situation for the kid um it was more of a mercy pulling just no one was doing anything just like nothing to show um and again McIntyre just comes in and lights it up unfortunately they only muster out one other goal uh but nick Sweeney and nolan stevens are back from injury they're on a line together and they've been playing they play with beckman and that line was fantastic and i think they have something there um so unfortunately for me that means probably no beckman and hovinov uh hovinov didn't play this weekend i Again, we'll see what happens with him. Um, still young. Still another year after this year on the contract. But, you know, I, I tried to get the off train going. doesn't look like it's happening. Uh, you know, I'll keep it going, though, because I love the kid. I think he's funny. Um, but, yeah, right now he looks like – like saying odd man out feels generous because he's already getting health bombed. And now with, you know, Sweeney's back, Stevens is back. Uh, when Jeru's back, I'm assuming he'll be in the lineup. Um, I assume they're going to be playing this Brandon Baddock uh, t- to punch people. No fights in those two games he played. Um, but it looks like he's gonna be the odd man out. But anyways, uh, Stevens was so good and Sweeney was really good in their returns. And again, Beckman was fantastic. The first game Sweeney wasn't back or maybe he was, I can't remember. Sweeney was not back in the first one. Stevens was. Uh Nolan Stevens and Beckman looked really good together in that first game on the 19th. And then the next night, uh, the trio of Beckman, Stevens, Sweeney, they were really the only ones that showed up. Scored a beautiful goal uh in transition. But I thought Nolan Stevens was fantastic and exactly the player that I assumed they were looking or assuming that they were gonna get. You know, he's using his body well, he's for checking hard, he's winning puck battles. Uh, he has those sneaky good hands and he's really good and tight. Um I think he takes good route routes to the net and transition, not the fastest skater in the world, but, but, you know, it's not like a problem or anything. It doesn't hold him back. Um, but he takes good routes Four checks, hard defends well enough. Um, you know, again, big body and he's pretty good in, in how he uses his size and weight. Um, so we'll see, maybe he gets in a little hot streak here. Uh, I really did like that line with Sweeney. Sweeney was playing with Cramarosa and Terjean before, and they were lighting it up every night. Um, you know, but now I do think you have to kind of give a, an extended look here to Beckman, Stevens, and Swainy, just because it was so good. Um, and you have guys that are playing really well, like Chafee's come back in after that injury a couple, what was it, like a month ago, a month and a half ago, and he's played really well with Shaw and Rossi. So that really looks like your top line. And then you have Rao going really well with Kramarz and Terzon, and that third line of Stevens, Swainy, and, and Beckman looks like you have something there. Um, so for me, that's that that's a pretty good, you know, first three lines. Uh let's see if they roll with. It. Um but yeah, I they really as a you know collectively the team just was brutal. Uh it was just not good to watch. <laughs> um uh very few bright spots the one being mcintyre and then that that line of Stevens, beckman and Sawayni. But yeah, tough week of rio uh, I think they're back tomorrow. Well, when you're listening to this tonight. Um you know, we'll see what the lines look like. It, it's just, you never know anymore. Um, part of that's just AHL. And part of it's just like what the kind of the hand they've been dealt um, this season. So, uh, but yep, yep, that's Iowa. Moving on. Um, I do want to touch on a couple of prospects that I was able to watch. Uh, and a couple that I've been talking about uh, this week. But first, let's pay the bills real quick. Let's talk about DraftKings. Uh, hoop fans. The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void Voidware prohibited, minimum five, Dollar deposit gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler in Tennessee. Call or text TN Redline, aka 1 800 889 9789. In Connecticut, call 888 789 7777 or visit slash chat. In New York, call 8778 Hope New York or text Hope NY, aka 467369. Dudes fucking rock if you want more
1: you can find him every tuesday and sometimes uh, we we don't really know with him he's kind of a wild card maybe even thursdays on the soda pod feed so same podcast feed as before but if you want to follow him specifically and for some reason you haven't already you can check him out on twitter at spoked z who do we got our friends
0: at sound the foghorn Brett, Justin, and Zeke represent Sound the Foghorn from Wild to Whitecaps, killing the analytics and prospect game. Here's a sneak peek at their latest episode.
7: Let's talk a little bit about Kevin Fiala. Um, Obviously, our podcast has been high on Kevin from the start. Um, We've talked him up. We've said to be patient. We've advocated to get better line mates, and he just continues to light it up. We're going to bring back an old segment, our uh, good old Reacting to Russo segment. Um, if you haven't read it yet, there's a great article on The Athletic. Um, I believe Russo did along with Dom Luscigen. Um, and analyzes Shana, right? what it would take. It might have been Shana Goldman as well. It might have been all three yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, just kind of breaking down, you know, what might it take to re-sign Kevin Fiala, and I don't really want to dive into that per se, just because um, yeah. there's so much speculation and okay, if this happens and this has to happen, and we'll get into that, that's, that's off-season chatter because that's when all this would happen. But I just want to kind of get your guys' opinion on, you know, what do you think they should do with Fiala? And just do you think what he's be- what he's done, basically since Bolvia's arrived, is sustainable? Do you think it's one of those bender hot streaks where, you know, eventually he cools off? Is it somewhere between? Where do you see this kind of projecting it out long-term?
8: I mean, personally, I think every player cools off, but I think we legitimately have a first line, second line. Zuccarello, like Kaprizov, that, that's our version of Zuccarello, Kaprizov on the second line. I don't think it's by any mistake that those two have chemistry. And mm-hmm. I mean, chem- Oops, sorry, that's my table falling on me almost. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, Kevin will, will tell you that, you know, he, just one snippet I remember is, he didn't have great line mates, and this is what we've been preaching all along. Get him some line mates, and, and he'll do things like this. Yeah, he struggled out the gate to score three goals in his first 25 games. But, I mean, since Boldy's came, what what is it, 21 points in 17 games since mm-hmm. I mean, been recalled? I mean, 12-game 12, 12 point streak in that, that period, 10 of them were when Boldy were back. And, I mean, for starting off with three goals first 25 games per Tony, for, uh, on 10k ranks he's on pace for 29 goals i mean i think he's one of those players that you can't replace i, I don't think there's very many players that we have in our system right now or via free agents or anything that can replace what kevin does
9: yeah it's uh it's tough because i mean like you said justin i think it really helps a team to have you know two legitimate scoring lines and i think most of the uh you know actually legitimate contenders will have that because i mean as we saw Against Vegas last year, when they focused on the Capri line and shut him down, I mean the Wild still competed. But at that point, it's a, uh, you know, shut those down was one guy's, and you you know you probably have a good chance to win. Whereas you know now, a feature that teams try to either line, that'll leave you know either Fial or Boldy, Zuckero et cetera, you know, open to, to to do what they can do. And I mean, obviously, I you know it's kind of tough. I I agree with you guys. I don't want to see him go. I would like to see him be resigned. I mean, obviously. You know, as Brett said, there's a lot of complicated uh, issues with money. And obviously that'll be the determining factor because, you know, it's really you don't really know exactly what he's going to be asking for, you know, length of deal, et cetera. But I I do think uh, he's not really the kind of guy you can replace. And I mean, you know, you might you got guys like, you know, Adam Beckman, system or whatever. But I mean, he's still pretty young. And, you know, even any guy in the system you have, that chances that they turn into a player like Kevin Fiala, regardless of how good they are, is you know, not very great. And I think with, obviously with their, you know, dead cap that's coming up and they're going to need to shed some players. I think it would make it a lot easier to contend and actually have a chance of winning if he was still on the team, but it, it still just seems that obviously, you know, like, like he, like Brett mentioned with the chemistry with Bowley, maybe that starts to change their mind and they try to make it work. But it, for some reason, it just seems, has seemed like for a while that, you know, we've had with, with Kevin Fiala, we've had this debate too about, okay, do you keep Peter, him or Matt Dumba and, from the tone of the end of Roosh's article and just history, it seems like maybe that Bill Guerin might be taking in his mind to have the thought of, okay, he's been great and I, you know, I could keep him, but that also means I could get more for him if I were to trade him. So, but obviously, no, I, I, in short, I, I don't want to see him go. I think uh, he's, uh, I think he's vital. I mean, he's still only 25, 26. So I think he's be- pretty vital to the next five, you know, next three, four years of this team's chances of continuing to be a, you're in, your contender.
7: Yeah. For me, if you plan on getting Matt Boldy here long-term, then you need to extend Kevin Fiala alongside with him. Um, yeah. My opinion can change if the chemistry all of a sudden vanishes, but I think you just watch the way, you know, m- much like Kaprizov and Zuccarello seem to think the game the same way, those mm. two do the same thing. And it's in a much different way. I think it's more... You know, those who are going to, Kaprizov and Zuckerberg are looking to make the prettiest play possible and make as many passes as they can and and tap in. Where I think Matt Boldy and Kevin Fiala are, we're going to tack the hell out of you off the rush. We're going to make one pass and we're going to undress your whole team. One of us is going to draw two of your defensemen over. I'm going to hit the other guy and he's going to go in and score. If you like what you heard, feel free to head on over to Sound the Foghorn. Any podcast platform that you have, we should Be there, look for the Minnesota Wild Colors and the iconic Foghorn logo. If we're not on your favorite podcast platform, feel free to let us know on Twitter or Instagram at SoundTheFoghorn, all one word. Thanks for listening and enjoy.
1: If you don't already, follow them on social at SoundTheFoghorn and plug that into your favorite podcast platform as well. Who do we got next?
0: Wild takes on the MN Wild leg of 10K takes. Dev and Zuch talk hockey and nonsense, bringing you their wild takes every week. Here's some of their latest work.
10: So you guys had mentioned uh, mentioned Koivu as a uh, favorite guy. We love the cap fin. Always love the cap fin. Of course. Is he the Minnesota Wild leader in pins? Zuch, this is to you first. Is Miko Koivu your wild leader in penalty minutes? Dude. Oh, my God played for so
0: long for us and it's not like he was a it's he took penalties like it's not like he was yeah. the cleanest oh my god man
3: i hate you dev this, this is a tough stretch <laughs> here i'm gonna say fiction i gotta believe there's someone that that has more i don't know who but someone all right jesse uh,
11: i'm gonna say Fact. Just again, for longevity purposes,
12: right? Like maybe West. Well, for some reason, Wes Walls keeps popping into my head too. Yeah. But no, I'm gonna say I'll say fact, especially since he's a fiction. But he was here forever. Why? How could
7: he not?
0: Right. He that's forever? that's the
10: only reason I was even remotely
0: yeah. thinking about fact. it.
8: Miko, so
10: you're saying you're saying fact, and yeah. Zuch, you're saying fiction. Yeah, Zuch is right. He is second all time oh. with 592 pims.
8: Is it Wes first?
10: Wes is not. Wes is in the oh. top uh, 10 though. Okay. He is. Let's <laughs> I thought you going to say top five. He went top. Um, <laughs> he's top 10. Though. Wes and Kyle Brodziak are tied for 11th actually. So, so he's not okay. <laughs> top 10. God damn. It. Sorry. I, I... Who's, who is it then? It's Matt Johnson, who was with the team from 2001 to 2004.
7: And he has the most penalty minutes?
10: By a lot.
7: Who the hell is Matt Johnson? I don't even know who he is.
10: Yeah, I would have never. Yeah, Matt I
12: thought you were just going to say Matt Cook. And I was like, dude, he was here for a year. How does that work? Matt
10: Johnson, in four seasons and 227 games, amassed 698 <laughs> penalty minutes. That's that is a liability on <laughs> the ice. Yeah, so it's like, God. I wouldn't want him to play ever. It's incredible. He was yeah, doing he was this here for on. The run. When
7: we're done with this, I'm just gonna Google Matt Johnson and find out everything I can. Are you about ready? For him. I need him part? on the podcast now. Are you... We need to talk. Are you ready
10: for the best part? <laughs> yeah, right. Come He's on, doing this on an average seven minutes and thirteen seconds on ice. You're shitting how? me. How? <laughs> how is he in the box he literally, that much? Right. He literally just goes out there,
8: I fights, and then no just goes, like I don't skates even... right to
10: the box. That's
8: right.
10: I have no idea, but it killed me when I found that out. Ooh. Oh man,
8: that's hilarious
10: yeah
6: i do not remember him
10: i do not remember him kudos to you matt johnson i hope you're listening to this please come on the podcast um because that's honestly impressive it's truly unbelievable and i love it so much um my uh my final one this is uh i believe it's three one jesse so um Either way, you lose, but that's fine. Let's,
2: Let's yeah. just have a little
0: fun. No.
10: <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, I, got, I got on the scoreboard, though. That's good. You did. You that's did true. get on the scoreboard with that last one there. So Jesse is either going to win a nail biter or a convincing blowout. <laughs> Rem Pitlick is the leading shooting percentage among all wild players to score more than one goal for Minnesota. True or false? Jesse, this one's to you.
9: It's to me first. Yep. Fact.
10: Okay. Yeah, that that's gotta it's gotta be a fact. The guy took he <laughs> what he scored.
7: He probably what five shots. Total yeah, five shots, four goals.
10: Like, yeah, I mean, thirteen shots, six goals. Yeah, yeah. come For on, man. Forty-six point two percent. He is your Minnesota Wild yeah. all-time multi-goal scorer. Hey, we got Dev finally. Yeah, yeah. Now so...
5: Yeah. Woo!
10: Woo! Yay! finishing that one um <laughs> can either of you two name the only player in minnesota wild history to go one for one
0: someone who had a cup
10: of coffee here
2: huh i honestly
10: i couldn't i couldn't, I couldn't eat, well he played two games in the 2001 season
12: oh
2: yeah So I, if oh. you
10: can i'll be blown away
7: mm-hmm
0: Yeah, for sure, I won't be able to. I was like three or four
7: years old at that point. Matt Johnson? No. Yeah, right. The one guy wasn't in the penalty
10: box. He takes a shot and scores.
7: Empty net. He's
10: Uh, on his way out of the penalty box. Yeah. It's Kai Nurmanen, who I do not remember at all. He played two games in 2001, and his final stats are one shot, one goal, one point, dash one, two pins. And his goal was five on five. And he did that on 1534 average time on ice.
1: You're all probably already following 10K Takes at 10K underscore takes if you're not. Uh, But go follow their hockey dedicated feed at Wild Takes 10K. And of course, search Wild Takes wherever you get your podcasts.
0: MNCAA, hosted by Nick Maxson. You get your weekly dose of Minnesota's college puck. Here's a look at what you can expect for all six Division One programs.
12: And as always, welcoming in Ryan Stated talk, St. Thomas Hockey. Ryan, good to see you back.
11: Yeah, great to be here. I, uh, I always look forward to this. It's kind of like the highlight of my week in a weird way.
12: <laughs> that is weird, because if you actually knew me in real life, it would not be a highlight. Uh, <laughs> but uh, St. Thomas, uh, again, back in action this weekend and uh, kind of disappointing a little bit last weekend. Uh, I know we kind of maybe thought that this would be uh, potentially a weekend uh, against Alaska, that maybe they would, uh, you know, maybe some things that they started to build to kind of culminate and maybe uh, push Alaska, uh, maybe even get a win or two, and uh,
11: didn't quite go the way we thought. That was – Rico kind of was a way to – he bluntly said, we did not play our best hockey, which I thought was kind of sugarcoating it maybe maybe a little bit because they – I don't think I've seen them fall behind that quickly uh, than I did on Friday night. I mean, I had literally just started watching the game and I tweet out, Oh, already done one, nothing A minute later. Oh, it's two, nothing. Oh, it's three, nothing. <laughs> it's just, he said, we were not ready to play. And that was pretty evident because they lost six, one. It just sick. It was just a complete disaster. And then you go to Saturday which was started off better. They were up one nothing after the first. And then they gave up five unanswered goals and then had to play from behind. And they tried to fight back. But, you know, you tried to score, <laughs> rally from four goals down when you're already struggling that weekend. It just it just didn't happen. It was the weirdest thing too, because like you said, we were thinking they might get a win or at least some momentum going in the last two weeks, and nothing came out of it. It was just a bizarre, strange weekend.
12: And uh, as you mentioned with Rico, you know, and mind you, for those who don't know Rico as well as you and I do, uh, Rico is a, a pretty straight, straightforward shooter, honestly. And, uh, you know, for lack of, you know, putting the record aside, I think for those who follow this team this year, understand that it's it's been a year of growth and there really actually was some exciting things happening with the squad these last few weeks. And uh, just it kind of just kind of hit a wall uh this weekend and it, it's for the one time that Rico that you and I have talked to has really said yeah no this wasn't our best hockey and uh you know it kind of makes you think oh crap you know this is you know and every team has tough weekends but this one especially tough to take here for for St. Thomas
11: yeah it uh it was Uh, a weekend I was not expecting. I knew it was going to be a little shaky because you are making that long trip to Alaska and that can have an effect on any team. You know, you see good teams all the time. Sometimes nationally ranked teams will go out there and just kind of trip over themselves in one of the games, either Friday or Saturday night. and They might come out with two wins, but they don't particularly look good doing it. And uh, I thought maybe something good would happen and it really didn't. It was just, it's one of those series that you just want to completely put behind you and pretend it didn't happen. And I think that's what the Tommies are going to try to do this weekend. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not an easy opponent either.
12: No. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about the road trip to Alaska. You know, you do bring up, I, I think, a good point, right? Because this has been the longest road trip for St. Thomas so far in Division One. Um, that's what a four and a half, five hour ride up there to Alaska, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken,
11: via airplane. It, it's it's hard to say, really, because it depends on the route you take. I mean, I does Minneapolis fly straight? I don't know. I believe they, they do. do. Yeah.
12: I think, I think they do. They go I, straight I think, to Fairbanks.
11: Okay. I, I think
12: so. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, either way. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's not a, you know, a drive across uh, to, to Mariucci arena to play the Gophers. That's for sure. And you know, you, you kind of wonder if that played a part in maybe their performance. Would, would you think that maybe
11: that was part of it? Yeah. Well, you know, Rico's not the kind of guy who likes to make excuses, Um, but I, you have to think that if they were so not ready to play on Friday, it makes me wonder if it at least had some bit of effect on them because I I mean, I've seen St. Thomas lose before, but I haven't seen them look that bad from the start with the exception of the St. Cloud state game at the very, very start of the season. With the exception of that, I haven't seen them be just overwhelmed from the beginning. So I like to think it played a little role. He would probably say it didn't, but I I think it probably had a little something to do with it.
12: And you know, is or series like that where you have to travel for for so long, right? You know, and I think again, as you mentioned, I know Saint Cloud has, in years past, gone on to Alaska. They've also gone on east to Boston College, Boston University for some non-conference action too. Uh, I guess is going to Alaska the the worst. Place you could go as far as a road trip, and and it's not because of the location; it's more just getting there. It's it's the it's the whole experience from from just the length of trip. It, is is that is
11: that a fair assessment? I I would say probably, in my opinion, yeah, it would be. I think Alaska is the worst one. I mean. There's some other ones like if they're far away, sometimes they're at smaller airports and smaller towns, so then you have to fly to a bigger city and then get on another plane to get to there, and sometimes even bust to that, you know, to the even. So, I imagine that can be a pain, but you know, a lot of that's just one time zone you're going from like central to eastern time zone, or maybe even eastern to mountain time zone, whereas you're going from Minnesota to Alaska, you're three time zones behind you. And it's just, (laughs) it it takes forever to adjust to it. I mean, there's people who were talking about it who had been on that trip before. and just like, it takes you like two days to really come to grips with it. And especially in the winter when it's like pitch Mm -hmm. black almost all day. (laughs) So it's like, I imagine it's, I imagine it's, I think, Going on a trip, like if you're doing like the back-to-back like some teams used to do where they go to Anchorage and then go to Fairbanks or vice versa where you can actually make like a two-week trip out of it, I think it's kind of fun. But I think if you're just going out there on a weekend, I think it's just one of those where you're just like, okay, let's get out there and let's leave. <laughs> let's yeah. not spend any more time there. So that in my opinion, I think that's the worst, the worst road trip could be on.
12: And, and it's funny because you know even as as broadcasters as, as writers too, you know you feel the same effects right of that travel. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna probably throw a curveball at you here, Ryan, but you know whether it's covering hockey or maybe even your personal life too, what has been sort of the the, the biggest travel thing that you've done that you know I guess maybe took a little bit out of you?
11: <laughs> um, probably I'd I'd have to think. I've been lucky in the fact that I have not had to have a lot of jet lag or any like sheer exhaustion from travel compared to some other people I know in the industry. I guess maybe it was probably going to Florida just because I, I don't I don't like being hot and I don't like it being humid either so sweltering in southern florida is not my exactly my cup of tea so that was probably the worst <laughs> part part for me i mean beaches are nice but it's just i hate humidity and i hate being hot so that was probably the worst part but thankfully it was just a time zone switch and it really wasn't that big deal but i know other people in the industry have traveled they've gone to maine and they've gone to arizona state and they've gone to alaska and stuff like that so they probably have more grueling stuff than I did, but uh, that's my take. I really haven't got to deal with that kind of intense stuff. I am I mean, you, you got any of them to you?
12: I've got one for you, Yeah, and this isn't work. This was a personal thing. So I had a buddy that was uh, in the Navy, and he was stationed in San Diego on Coronado Island. Uh, this was back in 2010. His uh, six-year uh, contract was expiring. And, uh, didn't even actually know I was going. He, I was literally in my parents' garage on a Friday and he called me up, I think around noon, noon, one o'clock. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, Hey, w- what are you doing? Nothing. You want, do <laughs> you want to come with me to drive back? And I'm like, I don't have like three or four days. I have to work mm-hmm. on Monday. And he goes, we'll make it back. I'm like, when <laughs> he goes, we'll drive Saturday. We'll get, be- get back Sunday. I'm like, there's, just no way. So yeah. Fly down there Saturday or Friday, uh, and of course, in when you're getting out of the of the army, at least for him, it, it was a celebration for him. Uh, so there was there was some celebrating, and there's some choice beverages that were consumed uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, so we end up going, I think, to sleep at three in the morning. End up getting up at seven thirty in the morning, so around four and a half hours of sleep. Uh, leave San Diego at eight o'clock a.m. Pacific time. We got back to my car at the Minneapolis Airport in 34 and a half hours later 7:30 p.m. central on Sunday night and then because I'm not crazy enough already I drove an extra hour hour and a half up to Saint Cloud uh, so yeah that that one I was dead tired after that one so that was that's my longest and most exhausting travel experience I've had and the longest we stopped was I think 15 minutes at a Wendy's in Utah just to get out of the car because otherwise it was either fuel and go or through the drive through and go there really wasn't any stopping for us
11: the highlight of the trip was the Wendy's in Utah.
12: It was actually <laughs> <laughs> getting back, uh, getting back to hockey here, uh, Mr. Stig, uh, As you mentioned, uh, you know, for uh, not the greatest follow up opportunity for St. Thomas again. Um, you know, after the the weekend in, in Alaska, they, they come, uh, they're actually going to be on, at home facing Lake Superior State. Again, a, a much better opponent. Uh, I guess, what are you hoping to see from St. Thomas? Uh, maybe not necessarily a W, but as far as getting back to, uh, you know, s- some of the things we saw before last weekend, what, what are you hoping to see?
11: I'm just hoping that they can get back to what they were. I mean, they had made so much progress and people were even commenting, even seeing them that this is a different team in the second half than they were in the first half. They played well against Bowling Green. They did okay against Bemidji. They played great against Michigan tech, even hung tight with Mankato in one of the two games that happened recently. So it was, they made a lot of progress and then took a big step back this weekend. So I'm hoping they can just get back to where they were Um Lake state is going to be a tough team. Uh, I've covered them for years when I was the NMU beat writer. They're always, they find ways to win games, especially the last two years. And they got a very potent offense. Louis Bedouin is uh, one of my favorite players to watch just because he's, he can, he can move the puck so well and he can get shots on that. And just, he's kind of a dynamic player and it's, I think it's going to be a tough weekend, but I'm hoping that it's, the last home series of the year, um, not only regular season can St. Thomas is, is going to be on the road in the CCHA playoffs, but just maybe that extra boost of energy of playing at home you know, for two last games can help, I don't know, urge them or push them to get a, a victory or maybe some points out of the weekend. That's what I'm hoping. It's definitely not going to be easy because Lake State is trying to fight for playoff positioning. They want to get home ice. They're just on the edge of getting you know, the four spot, which would get them home ice in the first round. So it's going to be a good series, I think.
12: And, you know, is this really the first true test for the program? And what I mean by that is, I mean, not in terms of the opponent and how difficult it is, but, you know, having, you know, playing good hockey only to kind of feel like maybe as players or maybe as an organization, maybe take a step back and to be able to kind of put that behind you. Is this a real first test for this squad?
11: You know, you can make that case, I think, because, you know, again, they were making so much progress and I was, you know, enjoying watching them because it's like a lot of teams don't make that big jump and in two halves. Some people, some teams just continue to struggle the entire year, whereas that was a first half thing for St. Thomas and now they're in the second half. They're a more complete team. They're a lot more good at possessing the puck, playing tight defense. They're keeping teams to the outside. It's, and then last week was just, I don't know, I want to say catastrophic. Is that a good way to put it?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's
11: a perfect way to describe it. Actually. <laughs> yeah. So I know catastrophic's used specifically for Mankato games, I think, but you know, I mm-hmm. think I'll use it for that series, but uh I think it is a test because it's like, okay, the playoffs are coming up. You have two weeks until you're most likely going to be playing Mankato in the first round. Are you going to go in with any momentum? Are you going to be able to put up a fight at all against the Mavericks who are probably just licking their chops at facing you after what they just saw <laughs> you up in Alaska? So um, I think it is a good test for them. And if you want to see where this team is at right now, I think this series will determine – you know, how they're going to finish the rest of the year.
12: And a uh, real quick, uh, Ryan, 30 seconds. Uh, I, I know it's going to be tough, but predictions for this weekend, uh, in, uh, can, is Lake Superior that good or can St. Thomas
11: sneak one? You know, I, I feel like if they can steal, if they can get points, a tie out of Tech, who I think is better than Lake State, I think they can get some points out of the weekend. I don't know if it's going to be a win, but I think they're going to get something. I don't know if it's a tie or maybe a shootout win or, Something I think they're gonna get at least one or two points out of the weekend from the Lakers just because I think they're they want to redeem themselves. It's their last weekend at home, and I think something's gonna to come together for them.
1: Just like Judd's buds, you can find all MNCAA episodes on the Soda Pod feed with episodes dropping every Friday. Go follow the dedicated college hockey feed on Twitter at MN underscore NCAA. MNCAA was taken by some douchebag with zero followers that won't reply to Isha with our very lucrative USD cash offer. Um, Now, Isha, who's the last show that we want to promote here this week? Brave the Wild. Joey has been in the Minnesota Wild podcast game since 2008.
0: Here's a clip from the chiseled
4: veteran. I got to think he's on pace for such a wonderful thing as well. 47 points. yep, 27 goals. Not not bad, you know. So 30 is possibility. I think 25 is an absolute likelihood for Julian Eriksson throughout his career. Um and the the passing skills are there. They're just they they're there they're there in the position of center you're going to get some assists by default in a lot of ways, but again even though the center position is quite different than it used to be as Bill Guerin reminds us about that on a, on a frequent basis and understandably. So, and that's good that he knows that type of thing that he's focused on that. A lot of us might still be thinking the center is kind of like the playmaker. Yeah, they can be, and they often are, but not always. <laughs> when you got guys like Zuccarello and Kaprizov, it's for the proof, it's not always the center. Center has a little different role at times, obviously strong defense, but of course can attack up the middle as well for a goal. But Boldy is reminding me of Danny Healy, a guy who could get 80 to 100 points in this league. Oh, with, with his reach, his, his release on the puck, He'll he'll kind of lull you to sleep a little bit, a little bit, but his release on that puck, on, on his shot, is unbelievable. Uh, he, he reminds me of Danny Heatley. Uh, not sure if it's a spectacular comparison. I tried to get things going. We'll see how much generated over the course of time. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I got at least one response. It <laughs> might have more than one, hopefully. It was mostly just likes, like, oh, yeah, I agree. That's basically all it was with no response, unfortunately. But a hat trick for Matt Boldy. Kirill Kaprizov, of course, interrupted it, but we're totally fine. It was just an overall wonderful feeling. that left everybody, it, it just gave everybody a sweet <laughs> taste in their mouth, obviously. And it wasn't just the chocolates on Valentine's Day, because this was Valentine's Day. <laughs> with uh, Matt Boldy getting a hat trick, Kirill Kaprizov with multiple goals. I mean, it's just, you just sit there, you just put your feet up, you just sit back, put your feet up like this, and you're just like, oh my, you know, the future here is so bright. It is so bright. Not only do you have Kirill Kaprizov, but now this other guy that might have been included in a trade for a Jack Eichel or some other, you know, big shot, so to speak, in the last two years is here. And he's legit. He's legit. He's already over a point a game, just like he was in the AHL, just like he was in college after his, the first half of his freshman year. He just continues on the same pace he's been at since the second half of his freshman year in college. And it's just Unreal. Makes you feel like a million dollars. And then, oh, by the way, Kirill Kaprizov, too. (laughs) Oh, remember that guy? Yeah, Kirill Kaprizov. It just makes you feel so good. And you still got Marco Rossi, who wasn't even, you know, he suited up just for a few games, and you saw a lot of positive little signs of him where he can force turnovers and such and obviously create great scoring chances. Marco Rossi. It just feels so good. And you have all these wonderful defensemen in the grapevine who well, unfortunately might be used as trade ships because it's getting to a point you're going to have to uh, at some point because of the fact is you have long commitments to the Brodines and the Spurgeons of the world. Dumbo we haven't officially committed to yet again. Uh, we did a couple of years back. Now it's time to again or make a trade to free up cap space, cap space pardon me, to keep Kevin Fiala. After the, well, after the way he's been playing with Matt Bolle, I think you want to do that. And then the Winnipeg game made you think, oh maybe not. (laughs) But no, I'm just kidding. Everybody's gonna have bad games. But I mean the chemistry with Boldy and Viola is a beautiful thing. It's funny how Viola only wound up with one assist in the game, no goals of course. Um Boldy with four points, absolutely sick. Uh Christmas. You just felt so damn good. was saying, on this day, I was sharing this last week, on this day in NHL history, 1966, the original six becomes 12 as franchises are granted to Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, St. Louis, Minneapolis, and San Francisco. That would be the Seals, of course, the Golden Seals, which ultimately, in an indirect, weird, crazy uh, Star Trek-like, you know, like, you know, I don't even know how to explain it, where it would, like, change shape And then turn into something else became the san jose sharks and how did they do it they did it by (laughs) the golden seals when they moved to cleveland and the cleveland barons merged with the minnesota north stars in the late 70s and the minnesota north stars uh, had like a big part of their team kind of like uh, what, what do they call that like i don't even know what the scientific term term is now i don't know if it's metamorphosis or what the heck it is But like a big piece comes out, like a drop, like a big drop of water, basically, and goes to San Jose to help form the Sharks. So go figure, somehow, some way, the Golden Seals always were the San Jose Sharks, and the San Jose Sharks always have been the Golden Seals. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Get your questions in
1: every week by following at Brave the Wild, and listen by searching Brave the Wild, Minnesota Wild Podcast.
0: All right. Thanks to everybody tuning in on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I mean, wherever you get your podcast from, the best thing you can do for us or any of the content that you heard in this podcast episode, uh, you can go on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, give us and give them five stars and a kind review. It goes such a long way. You're already supporting us by listening to this episode, so you might as well go and review us as well. If you're and for more hockey content, go listen through our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And on your app, please download the episode before you listen as it just helps all of our business. You can follow myself at VI Sports Talk. You can follow Hoppy at State of Hoppy. And, of course, you can find The Soda Pod on all platforms at The Soda Pod. Signing off, I'm Misha Drill, me alongside The State of Hoppy. This has been The Soda Pod, presented by The Hockey Podcast Network. We good, buddy? We good. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.